We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds, he has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams' sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Paul with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower, for our midweek podcast. This week, we're going to go over part two of our interview with Vinny Bonsignor from the LA Daily News. Check it out. Now, with the other side of the receivers, they're tight ends. You're coming from an offense in Washington where Sean McVay went to his tight ends a lot. This year, statistically, the numbers weren't there. We saw flashes. What is the feeling around the tight ends right now? Is there just they're going to keep developing these guys? Are they going to look anywhere else? What is where are they going to go with that? 
I think that that is a position where if there's a, uh, a upgrade available, um, that they'd look to do that. I think they want more from their tight ends um, in the passing game. Uh, I think they're I think they're uh, satisfied with the rookie year that Gerald Everett had. Uh, I think he's going to continue to get better and continue to emerge um, as a as a weapon. Um, Tyler Higby, you know, um, not quite sure uh, where they are. With him, one of the things that Sean McVay said, uh, you know, on Saturday or excuse me, on Sunday was we can't keep playing 11 personnel like we have all the time. You want to be more diversified than that. They couldn't because obviously they just didn't have enough trust in, in another tight end to be able to be an asset, um, in, in, in the pass game. So they're going to have to get more from that position. How do you do that? Um, we'll see what there is available on in free agency, uh, in the draft. It seems like you know, young tight ends are, are uh, just easier to go get them nowadays in the draft. Guys are coming from past past offenses um, and and used to being assets um, as tight ends coming from college. Also, keep an eye on Tamara Hemingway. I know that um, you know during OTAs uh, and even when Sean first got the job, he was talking up Tamara Hemingway. He likes him a lot, and I know that you know some fans are like Tamara Hemingway. He did nothing as a rookie. Well, he did nothing as a rookie in an offense that we now know um, was, was pretty ancient uh, under, under Jeff Fisher and, and, uh, and Rob Boris. So, you know, if you look at Tamara anyway, he, he checks off a lot of boxes as an athlete um, and, and somebody that they believe uh, when he's healthy to be, um, you know, a viable weapon. So keep an eye on him. He's going to come back healthy, um, you know, in, in OTAs. And I think that uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what he can provide. Now, one more thing in terms of the offense with, you know, personnel, and that would be running back. Todd Gurley, great year, we think. You know, we would argue he's the MVP. Behind him, Lance Dunbar really didn't work out. Malcolm Brown was limited in carries. Are they happy with Malcolm Brown? We we like him here at Rams Talk, but uh, what, what's the feeling with Malcolm Brown? They're going to look in the draft or the free agency to find somebody else who can kind of provide something out of the backfield. I, I do think that they like Malcolm, and I know they like Justin Davis as well. Um, I mean, the the, the – you know, the, the the good and bad of Todd Gurley being developing into a, uh, a, a the wide receiver threat that he became or the receiving threat that he became was that unlike last year, which we would always wonder why he was never out there on third downs, but he's out, he's a three down back now and um, he can pass block and he can, can pass catch on third downs if need be or any down for that matter. So I think him doing that, it, that's the reason why you didn't see Malcolm Brown as much or, or Justin Davis as much as a third down back because you didn't need them. So, you know, you know, uh, knock on wood, Todd Gurley, you know, not getting, not getting hurt. Um, I mean, what are you really looking for in your backup running back when you've got a horse like Todd Gurley that's able to do everything that you need from a running back and just keep him on the field. He could be your bell horse. Uh, he can be an asset in the passing game. He can block. Um, yeah, you need uh, an occasional rest, you know, just to just to keep him fresh. But I think that Malcolm, a guy like Malcolm, uh, and and you know Justin Davis as well, can provide that. I don't think you're really looking for much more than that. Now, if they do, if they feel like, look, we overused him, um, you know, we we need somebody that so that we don't run him into the ground, which I don't think was the case. But if that's what they're thinking, then yeah, maybe you go out and look for something more, like they did, presumably with Lance, you know, Dunbar. But obviously that didn't work out. But I think that that's pretty low on the uh, on the totem pole. Now, now we've gone through the whole person. I do want to ask about Jared Goff. The, the I've seen mixed 
feelings on him. I personally am happy with his development. I, I, I saw improved footwork. I saw better poise as the year went on against pressure. I was happy with what I saw from him. The the opposite is coming from others who are arguing, well, you know, I I don't see that. I, I see him rushing to make throws. I see him only really hitting two guys and not getting the ball around. Where do you see Jared Goff in his development, and what's the expectation for next year? I mean, I don't see how anyone can look at what he did last year in his first full season as as, uh, as a starter and not be thrilled, ecstatic. I mean, what are you looking for in your in your quarterback? I mean, those guys don't grow on trees. You don't just step in in your second year and do what he did without having a whole bunch of talent. And, uh, you know, I, I mean – I remember looking at box scores every single week, and it just seemed to me like he was throwing to eight, nine guys a lot of times. That means that he's going through his progressions. He's not settling or zeroing in on one or two guys. Uh, he's spreading the ball around. And if you want to know why Sammy Watkins uh, wasn't getting the looks that he was getting, is because Jared Goff reads the field really well and tries to get the ball to the open man and generally does. He's not the perfect quarterback or wasn't the perfect quarterback, but you don't expect that. Uh, in his in his second year, so Ram fan out there that could have watched Jared Goff play quarterback last year and not just be thrilled, and I mean thrilled about the future. He's got a great young coach uh, and and teaching support system in this offensive staff uh, to keep moving forward. Um, you know, as long as you keep protecting him, which is the case with any quarterback, and you have sufficient talent around him like they did this year, the sky's pretty much the limit for Jared Goff. So I would not be worried not even in the least about about him. Now, looking back on the course of this year, how did you see him grow in terms of his leadership over the course of the 16-game season and plus the playoff game? Well, um, you know, that's hard to quantify. Um, where I go back to where I felt like um, he gets it was at the end of last year. And uh, him sitting up there at the podium after uh, it might have been the Cardinals' loss, um, could have been the 49ers' loss, one of those, you know, blowouts where the end was near and, you know, he was in a reflective mood and he was like, this is going to get fixed. I'm a big part of why, why it will get fixed. I promise that I'm going to be part of that and make it happen and I'll work as hard as I can. And I just remember listening to him going, that's what I want in my quarterback. That's what I want in the leader of my football team. And, and I remember asking him a few times, like, this reminds me of your freshman year at Cal. And people need to go look at that tape when he played at Cal, you know, hit that first year, he was a, he was a, a freshman starter, gotten the, getting the crap beat out of him time after time, after time on a really, really bad football team, but kept bouncing back and going to the next play and, and, and moving forward. And that thing got turned around. I know it didn't, you know, they weren't a Rose Bowl team or a national championship contender, but it's still Cal. So you got to put that in perspective. But by the time he left, that was that team and that, and that, and that program was on a different uh, level. And um, so when I, I remember distinctly watching him thinking, this kid's going to be all right. He's got a toughness about him that you may not be able to see the first time you look at him or the second time you look at him. You kind of have to be around uh, you know, every day to, to see it, but there's a, there's a toughness to him, um, that I think is necessary to succeed, uh, in this league. And even this year, he was durable. The only game he missed was because they sat him and he took some pretty big time hits, uh, this year in spite of being protected much better than he was a year ago. Um, but he always bounces back. Uh, I think his footwork is really good and really strong. Um, and I think by the, toward the second half of the season, he was, he was making play calls at the line of scrimmage. 
uh, you know, being that kind of leader that, that you need. And every, every player that I talked to um, was not just satisfied but impressed uh, with the leadership that uh, that Goff um, displayed, and, and and to a man, they're behind him, and that's pretty much half the battle. Now about his protection, we go into the offseason now with you know John Sullivan and and Andrew Whitworth are getting you're older. Both played well. Andrew Whitworth had, according to PFF, his worst game of the year though against the Falcons. What do you, do you get an idea of the, of the timeline for the Rams to start? developing folks are going to eventually replace Sullivan and Whitworth and make sure that Goss protected long-term. Yeah. I mean, um, that's always going to be something you're always going to be looking, uh, at your left tackle, especially when your current left tackle is 36 years old. Um, it's obvious that you have to have to look that you can't force it. Um, you know, and I think that, I think, you know, you talk to the other linemen <laughs> with the Rams, and, and they just, they they marvel at, at at Andrew Whitworth and how you know he's just kind of a freak in a lot of ways. He's a big, huge dude with not an ounce of fat on him, um, and just athletic as all get out. And somehow, some way, he's tapped into some sort of fountain of youth, um, which and and the Rams do a great job uh, of of protecting him. They did a great job of protecting him. Uh, he's got his routine that he does during the week um, to keep him fresh, and that you know obviously helped him get through the season uh, as it did the last couple of years with the, with the Bengals. So yeah, they're going to look, but right now, I mean, I guess you got to keep your fingers crossed that that you know uh, that that age just, just doesn't jump on him. But I don't see that happening. His level of play was so good. I know he struggled a little bit against the uh, against the Falcons. They had to throw the ball. What was it, 49 times, 45 times in that game? I mean, you put the ball out that many times, I don't care who you are, uh, with that kind of a pass rush and that talent that's on that defense, you're probably going to mess up a couple of times. So I think that skewed it a little bit. They don't want to throw the ball 40 times. And anytime you do that, you're opening yourself up to, you know, uh, a breakdown along the offensive line. So, um, but yeah, if there's an obvious, you know, guy, uh, in the, in the later rounds that, that you feel, um, you know, it could be your answer or your long-range answer at left tackle. Sure, absolutely. But I think there's other needs that they're going to address uh, earlier uh, in, the, in the draft and more prominently. Well, let's go straight there. What are those needs? What are you seeing that, that would show the needs? We have our we have our ideas here, but I'd love to hear yours. Well, I think a cornerback um, to play, whether it's to replace Jermaine Johnson or to, to play opposite him, we don't know what Kayvon uh, Webster's you know, status is going to be in Achilles tendon injuries. Those are never uh, a, a good thing, uh, especially at that position. So we don't know, you know, what he's going to, what level he's going to come at uh, next year, come back at next year. So I think a cornerback is, is something that they're going to look at. Um, a dominant, physical, athletic outside linebacker, pass rush outside linebacker that can excel in Wade Phillips' uh, 3-4 defense. Um, you know, if you're going to be looking to replace a Mark Barron, um, you got to go, you got to look there. Obviously, the offensive line is always a consideration. You know, uh, John Sullivan is a free agent, but he had a really good year um, and, you know, stayed healthy. That was a main thing for him because he hadn't been um, the last few years. So, you know, you get one more year out of him and then, you know, circle back to center at some other point. You know, you might, you might do that or you might, um, you know, invest a middle round pick to go get, you know, your, your long range at, at answer at center. I think a tight end. I think that, uh, if, if there's somebody there at the end of the first round or, or, or the second round 
that you feel can you can plug in uh, immediately and be an asset. And I think that's a position uh, to look at. I think they're pretty safe set with their with their safeties if they bring back Lamarcus Joyner. John Johnson had a had a really good rookie year, so I think you're okay there. But that's you know that's the direction that I I think that you know a defensive line. We saw what happened when Michael Brockers went out. I mean, no secret what the Falcons did. Pretty much the minute Michael Brockers went out and that whole second half, they were basically running right to his spot um, along the defensive line and getting and getting production in the run game. So maybe some depth along the along the defensive line. I know those are you know broad based answers, but I think that you know if you're looking at taking this team to the next level, it's, there's there's not a lot of great glaring needs, but there's a couple I think at cornerback and outside linebacker that if you can improve yourself there, uh, you're you're, you're putting yourself in position to have a good offseason. Now, is there any thought to maybe moving Alec Ogletree back out to outside linebacker and drafting a middle linebacker to, you know, for run stuffing? I haven't, I haven't necessarily uh, heard that. Sorry about the My dog. I haven't necessarily heard that. Um, It's a consideration, you know, Wade Phillips knows what he's doing, but I think they all are satisfied with where Alec is and how he picked up the defense, Um, his continued leadership, calling the plays, uh, another 90 tackle season uh, again. So, I mean, that um, those are kind of decisions that we're going to probably find out here pretty soon, especially as they start gearing up for the draft. But uh, I think that he's perfectly suited at the position that he uh, is playing right now. And I think that, you know, you, you try to go draft somebody or go get somebody in free agency that you know is going to be able to, if you need that, go play outside. All right. Well, you know what? This brings us to the big question, the question that most are going to want to talk about. That's Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald. There are two schools of thought that we've come across uh, throughout Facebook, social media, so on and so forth. And the main, the one that most people are on and the one that I'm on and so on and so forth, that is you pay him. You pay the man. Now, there's a different school of thought, a minor school of thought that's, I think, a little more old school is you – He's you let him go, that you let him go because you can't afford him. That's the kind of money he's going to want is quarterback money or, you know, your all-pro running back money. Where do you stand with that? Where do you go? Well, spoiler alert, they're going to find him. <laughs> There's <laughs> anyone that anyone that thinks that that's not going to happen. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. But, um, yes, you bring him back. They will bring him back. He's going to get signed one way or another. Um, I don't think he's going to get quarterback money. That's really never happened before, um, and especially now that the quarterback money keeps getting further and further uh, away from the other positions. So you're going to have to pay him, you know, uh, competitively with what the other top, you know, uh, defensive linemen make. And, you know, obviously people are talking now about Khalil Mack. Um, he's going to he's gonna set a uh, – a little bit of a bar when the Raiders bring him back. Um, I think that Aaron Donald is a better player. So I would think that he's probably going to get a little bit more uh, than, than Khalil Mack. So, um, you know, I think that that's a domino that'll probably fall or maybe the Rams just go out and, and set the bar, um, you know, and, and, and with what they give, you know, Aaron, but I, I suspect that that's going to happen um, before the end of, before the start of, of, of next season, you know, they still have some time to play with. Obviously he's a, He's a. Uh, they still have him under contract. He's not gonna. I don't believe he's gonna hold out because then, it, then that affects you know his uh, his free agency. The, the, the 
uh, you know, start time for his for his unrestricted free agency. But I think that he, again, it goes back to like with Tremaine. I think he loves what happened this year. Loves wants to be part of this long term. The Rams obviously want him uh, long term. Um, there wasn't as much incentive last year to get it done. Um, all things considered, you know, with two years still left on his contract. But I think this is the year where something does happen, and and one way or another, he's going to be around for a long time. Well, the magic number we're hearing is about $20 million a year on average. And how the Rams gift wrap that, the one thing I've known about the Rams for a very long time is they, Kevin DeMoff and the crew, they are really good at working contracts. doesn't mean they always make the right decision with who they sign, but their contracts are generally mapped out pretty well to fit in the cap. Is there any concern there with them this year on that, or do you feel the same way I do? I'm, I'm confident they're going to get it done the right way. I think, yeah, I think they'll get it done the right way. They have, um, you know, some pretty shrewd people, uh, that are, that are, um, you know, in charge of that and managing their money. And if you look at it, they've managed it pretty well. Uh, the Rams are set up to be able to, um, keep this young core intact if that's the, if that's the path that they choose and also be able to, you know, go out and bring in reinforcements. So a guy to keep an eye on, which I don't, wouldn't rule out by the end of, you know, this year is Todd Gurley. I mean, he's coming up to his renegotiating or, or do, you know, signing him to the long-term contract. Um, and I think that that, I don't, I wouldn't rule that out happening as well this year, especially if they can buy them some, some room, you know, down the road a little bit. So, uh, but I, I think they're, they'll do it the right way. And there's just so many ways nowadays for NFL teams to be able to, uh, put their caps together so that they're able to keep the guys that they want without, you know, risking or, or mortgaging uh, the future. And I think the Rams are pretty shrewd in, in doing that. Well, how do you think they do it? Do you think they handle Aaron Donald first and get out of the way? Do you think they, they handle everybody else first so they can kind of get a management view of their finances before they sign him at the end? How do you think they go about this? Um, that's a good question. And, you know we're gonna we're gonna find that out here pretty soon. I would I, I don't think Aaron gets done first. I think they're gonna wait to see what the market looks like. That's just my personal um, opinion. But um, you know I think that I think Lamarcus probably is the guy that they get they get done pretty quickly. Uh, March there's a deadline for the ones with the deadline are the ones I think get done first. So Tremaine Johnson is a deadline situation. Sammy Watkins is a deadline situation. Um, I think you'll get your answers to that sometime in March. Uh, and I, I would suspect that Aaron is, is done after that. Well, what's the word on Aaron? I mean, he saw you, you mentioned that he decided about where this team is going, but it got a little contentious before the season started. You know, the whole, the whole out, the idea that he rejected a contract. Is there some kind of meeting in the minds taking place now to where the two sides are seeing things a little more clearly, you know, come together and the idea, hey, we got something special here. Let's not ruin it. Or where are they? Um, I, you know, I didn't fall into the, you know, business category. And I know that his agents know, um, you know, that it's hard to get a contract done when you still have two years left uh, on your original deal. It's just, um, you're not going to get everything that you want. So, um, it just doesn't work that way. So now he's in a position now a year later where, you know, the Rams only have him for a certain period of time unless they want to be able to 
you know, use the franchise tax. So some of that leverage is now going, uh, swinging to his side. But I think that, I think they'll do it prudently. I think he understands, you know, that he's going to get his, uh, but he also has to understand that it has to fit so that this team stays intact. And I think he liked the winning enough to know that, hey, if there's a little bit that I have to do or, or, you know, a box goes unchecked, um, you know, for the good of the team, uh, I think that he's the type of player that, that, that would consider that. So I'm not worried. I think it will get done. It's just a matter now of when. Well, that takes me to my last question. This is, I promise, my dead last question. <laughs> um, okay. The idea this year, the theme, we, not me, that was a theme. In the end, when it comes to the football games themselves, we know that the team bought into it. But as they head into the off season, and like you said, they're going to get theirs, how much of that mentality now is in play in terms of keeping this team together and helping it grow for the future? I mean, you'd like to say a lot. Um, obviously, you know, talking to Robert Woods about Sammy Watkins, it all has to fit. It has to work for everybody uh, from the business standpoint, um, the team standpoint, um, all of that. But I think they're in a good place. I think the Rams are in a, in a really good place right now um, from a cap standpoint uh, to, to, to at least keeping the guys that they really, really want to keep. Um, there's some flexibility that you can that you can create um, with some other guys. We've talked about Robert Quinn and, and, and Mark Barron. Um, so, uh, I, I think, you know, the sense that I get in the locker room is that everyone wants to still be a part of this, you know, and I think while money will play into that, um, I don't think it's, I, I, I it, it's going to be less, it's going to be less easy for guys to just to walk away because they get a little bit of a better offer someplace else, knowing what they're going to be walking away from here. Now, again, having said that, this is still a business and guys are, you know, not everyone that left that locker room is coming back. We know that. Um, but I think that the success that they had is going to be um, quite the magnet to keep guys and also to lure guys uh, in free agency. All right. As always, Vinny, you're great to have on the show. I'm sure we're going to contact you again come draft time. So again, thanks. And, and by the way, uh, and by the way, why, I, I see a little bit of debating there going on on Twitter with you for uh, all the, the London games and so on and so forth. Um, I can't wait to see who this team plays in Mexico. I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not in any way adverse to this team going out there and making their their imprint on the rest of the world. So. Yeah, absolutely. I, no, I think that's gonna. You know, they they are going to Mexico City. I I mean, I'd be surprised at this point if not. Where else are they going to play? They have to play an international game. Um, but it'll be interesting to see who they play. Can you imagine if it's the Chiefs against the uh, the Rams in in in, in Mexico City and, and take all of Missouri? Uh, <laughs> I feel bad for Missouri in that situation, but um, but I wouldn't rule that one out. Oh, but I, I saw the news report this morning all over St. Louis how you know the, the St. Louis beat L.A. in the Rams playoff game ratings, and I'm sitting there thinking, man, you guys don't know how to read the numbers. <laughs> You yes, don't know how to exactly. read the numbers. All right, but thank Absolutely. you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate your time, and we'll talk soon. All right, thank you, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. Take care now. Bye-bye. Real quick, let's go ahead and talk about the Golden Ram Barbershop out there at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California, 92683. Give the man, Sal Martinez, at his shop a call at 714-894-7267. He's open Monday through Friday. 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Here's the thing. 
Sal opened up his shop the day the Rams left all those years ago, kept it open as a shrine to Rams football, still there, still living strong. Go in there, check his place out, talk Rams football. Norm and I have been there. We've got our haircuts there. It's a fun experience. We talk everything Rams, everything. He's got everything for you to talk about. So, again, give Sal call at 714-894-7267. All right, Norm, we're back. How are you feeling about the offense here? Where are, we, where, where are your first thoughts after that interview, and where do you even go? Well, I, I mean, I think the biggest issue on the offense is what are they going to do with Tavon Austin? And I, I think, you know, there's going to be some people that are going to be upset that I say this because there are a lot of Tavon Austin fans, and I know that several of us or several people walked up to us when we were down there saying, hey, don't talk bad about Tavon Austin. Well, I'm not talking bad about him personally, but when it comes to staying in a Rams uniform, he's far overpaid. He's not performed to the level that we'd hoped for. Injuries have been an issue. The area that I really thought he was going to shine in for us this last year, he ended up losing the job on special teams during punt returns because of the fact that he couldn't hold on to the football. And I just don't see how you keep him. I, I don't see him willing to want to take a, a huge pay cut, and I'm sure that there's a team out there that's going to be willing to pay him whatever it's going to take to get him. So, you know, I don't really see Tavon Austin back in a Rams uniform next year. What do you think? Well, they'll pay him. Somebody will pay him for his potential because is there's no doubt the guy has potential. We've seen flashes of it for years. He's only 26 years old next year. It's not like he's a 35 year old has been. He's going to catch on with somebody. He does have a $5 billion dead cap hit, which is far less than what it was last year. If the Rams released him last year, it's almost $20 million for a dead cap hit. So this is the year to get him out. Yeah, and I see him going. I really don't see any other solution. I, I think Sean McVay did a nice job of saying that, you know, he plays a huge role for our offense, but you really can't afford to pay the money that he's being paid for a decoy because essentially that's all he was. When he did run the ball, he – you know, he had some moments, but he's he's really shied away from taking hits, which, you know, as much as he's been injured lately, I can understand. He's not cutting the ball back up in the middle anymore. He's always cutting it to the outside, and he's running out of bounds. I just I, – I really just don't see him being worth the money, and I don't see Sean McVay – when you've got a guy like Farrell Cooper that could come in and play that same kind of role on the offense – if you want somebody to fake an end around or, you know, or something along those lines, I, I just don't see him staying. And I don't, I, I think they're going to be happy to eat the 5 million and let him move on to, you know, greener pastures, wherever he may find them. Well, they may work some kind of deal as well as in a trade to try and, and, and eat some of that cap. I, I don't really know how they can work that, but I, you know, it's, and it's not really a hit on him. He just didn't work. We've seen several players go to different teams over the years, get drafted, it doesn't work there. They go somewhere else, get a change of scenery, and they do great. He could be one of those guys. It just didn't work with him in the Rams. And that's not really, you know, hopefully, I mean, it, I'm not really indicting him as some kind of bad player. Sometimes it just gets in your head. Sometimes you need new scenery. And and watch. I, I, I've seen this on Twitter a few times now where folks have mentioned, watch, I'll go somewhere else to the Patriots and he'll be a pro bowler next year. He might. Well, let's hope he doesn't go to the Patriots. But he might. He might. It's, that's not a indictment of the Rams. It's an indictment of, of a bad, a bad marriage. 
a marriage between two two sides didn't work out well, and hopefully both sides can move on. Another thing Vinny said too about Austin, well, you can't really justify keeping him because you already have Farrell Cooper who can essentially do the same job that Tavon does in the offense, which is decoy, like you're mentioning. There's nothing there that Farrell can't do right. in relation to what Austin was doing. Right. And the fact that he's not our number one returner anymore, that that really changes the whole ball game. And, you know, with the exception of the playoff game with Farrell Cooper, he did a phenomenal job throughout the entire year and, you know, made the Pro Bowl. And, and how, do you, how do you take that role away from him and give it back to Tavon next year? That doesn't happen. So it's really time for him to go. And it's, you know, it's, it, I think more than anything, he's a victim of circumstance with the whole Jeff Fisher offense. And that's all we had was Tavon Austin in our Jeff Fisher offense. Because all they had to do was lock in on Todd Gurley. And what else did we have? We had Tavon Austin trying to get him the ball somehow and hope he breaks something. Well, that's not the way our offense is anymore. We've got quality players all the way around. And he's just not as needed as he was before. And he is replaceable for what we're using him for. So you just got to let him go. And, it, you know, it's tough. I like him. Um, I was happy that they drafted him. I think he's, for the times that he played for us and, and was able to play as a number one all the time, I think he did a great job. But now you're right. The marriage is over. It's time to go you know, move on somewhere else and see what he can do. Well, this is one of those things, though, where some of the Tavon fans will get a little mad at me. And part of the problem, too, with Tavon is over the course of his career, one area that seemed to not get better but actually get worse was his hands. I got into this debate a couple of times with other reporters, you know, about his hands, and I defended him. I defended him in terms of targets, his, his catching, but it's almost like, bam, the moment that gets spoken that, hey, you know what, his hands are actually pretty good, he started dropping the ball left and right, started making poor mental mistakes, these mental mistakes that cannot happen on the field. And it doesn't matter who you play for. It could be the Patriots, it could be the Packers or the Browns. You cannot make those kind of mistakes and expect to stay on a team. It, it's a frustrating me because you mentioned it. You like Tavon. You were happy when the Rams drafted him. I felt like this could be a great player to have on this team, and he just – never got his head straight with his team. And that's what's frustrating to me, because if he does, then he's worth the money. The the criticism I've seen when it comes to Tavon Austin is he's not worth the money. Well, you know what? At $8 million a year, or 9 or even 10, I think actually his average salary is 10.5 on this contract right now. If he produces as even a number two receiver and a close to pro bowler kick return, he's worth the money. Right. So when... People talk about, well, he signed this extension in 2016. Well, back in, for 2016 season, even though we, we, you and I both thought he was overpaid then, you could understand why they paid him the money because he was making more plays then. He was getting touchdowns on part return kickoffs. He was making some plays in the receiving game and in the running game. Now, what are you doing with him? Nothing. Well, and it and says, what's he doing? It says a lot when you're in a playoff game and you're behind and you're not on the field because of what you're, you're not making plays he wasn't brought into the rams offense because he hadn't been making any plays and they couldn't afford to not have it and that that tells it all he they had lost confidence in him enough to where he didn't warrant being on the field when the game was on the line and when that happens that happens you can't pay him that kind of money and the sad thing is but is is he lost confidence in himself it was clear sure and, and i hope that 
if the team lets him go, that he can go to a place where he can get the confidence back because he's a great guy. He's he he's never caused problems on that team. He's never been a been a me player. He's always been a team player. He played two snaps in that playoff game. Didn't say a word. Yeah, you, know, you got the GM hat on. It, it's business. It's not how much you like a guy or what a guy's potential is. It's what have you done for me lately? And he hadn't done a lot. You know, he lost a job on special teams. He's you know backed up Todd Gurley occasionally, and uh, most of the time dropped most of the passes that were thrown to him. So, I mean, really, what have you done for me lately in, you know, the NFL, not for long league, it's time to make a decision and, and you have to base it off of current performance. And if you're going to base it off that with the money that you're paying him, you got to let him go. And I wish him the best. I really do. I really think he'll go somewhere and have a shot at becoming that dynamic player that we all think he can and know he can be. And if he does that, good for him. Like you said, though, please don't let it be the Patriots. He'll cost the Patriots. Well, just one more thing about him. Just, you know, really just thinking this through. It's not even about what have you done for me lately. In today's NFL, it's what have you done, to me, done for me today? What have you done for me in this game? Pharaoh Cooper found that out. Great all season. The Rams are not even in the playoffs without Pharaoh Cooper. And guess what? Has a bad game and the world is after him. It's just, that's the nature of the business now. Sure. When you're, be paying, when you're being paid millions and millions of dollars a year, you better perform. All right. Well, speaking of performing, there's another guy on the roster for the Rams who performed kind of, sort of, at least made things easier for Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, and that Sammy Watkins. The numbers weren't there. Vinny thinks that I think it now. I'm hearing several kind of – we're seeing several little reports. Sammy Watkins – Probably get franchise. Is this the right move? If that's what they have to do, yes. I, I think that they have to bring him back. If they don't, they've wasted a lot of a lot of picks, a lot of money. I mean, a lot of potential all the way around. The Rams need a number one wide receiver, somebody that's a deep threat. He's everything that you want. He's capable of doing everything we need. Did he have enough time to work with Jared Goff and get comfortable? Maybe. But I believe that Robert Woods and Cooper Cup probably had better years because he was on the out there on the field. And I don't think you can take that away. I, I don't know if they're going to have any other choice other than to franchise tag him to keep him. I'd really rather see him sign him to a, to a longer-term contract with some incentives and see if they can get him to take that rather than franchising him. But if that's what they have to do to keep him, I think they have to. That's what I think they're going to have to do. I don't see him taking a eight or nine million dollar year contract. He's going. To, he wants more. He, if he's an elite receiver, he should get that. It's just the numbers didn't show it this year. And a prove it deal like a franchise contract for one year is exactly where you can show that you are that elite receiver. And if that happens, if I were Jared Goff and I were Sammy Watkins, I would be every day from this point out. It's January now. January, February, March, April, May, every day on the field together. I'm serious. Every single day. Make the magic happen. Because I, I still believe in Sammy Watkins. I believed in him for the longest time. And I've started the film study a little bit here, and I'm seeing why the, the Rams went out and got him. Unfortunately for Sammy, at least in the early film, it also looked like he was off on his routes as well. And that's relationship, but he also gave up on routes. So he can beat people 
in matchups so easily. I mean, he, he embarrasses corners when he's on his game. But sometimes he, he gives up on routes. And that's what I am seeing thus far in film study. However, that could also be masked the fact that he didn't ha- didn't have that relationship with, with Goff, didn't the playbook as well yet. Who knows? So I'm I'm really kind of looking forward into this deeper film study into him to seeing what kind of conclusion I reach. But what I'm seeing thus far is a great receiver in terms of potential. The ability's there. He can he can be elite. It's just not there yet in terms of the Rams. Well, as much as Tavon Austin was a decoy in the backfield. Sammy Watkins can be considered as much a decoy out there at wide receiver. The difference is he's got the potential and the hands to catch the long ball. He's definitely got the speed. Uh, I've been watching some later film on him. He did really contribute when it came to the running game and the passing game when it came to blocking as well as receiving. You know, the touchdown numbers, I think he led the team in touchdown receptions. And he was definitely a red zone threat. I just don't think it clicked the way that it that he or the team or Jared Goff would have really liked to have seen by the end of the year. But I think if you give him the offseason to work and uh, give Sean McVay some more time to, to draw up a few plays, I, I really think that he will be an asset to the team next year. He was, I, I believe he was an asset to the team this year, just not as dynamic as everybody would hoped that he would have been. And I think that next year he can probably do that. And, you know, you're right. I don't know that they can afford to let him go out and test the market because if a team really wants him and is willing to throw the big numbers out there, they could lose him unless they tag him. So that might be their only option right now. I think it's the same as Table on Austin. Somebody will sign him for his potential at the very least. Somebody will pay him the money believing he'll finally get there. And that's why you keep him. I'm a believer in Sammy Watkins, and I just – I say you just, you know, you suck it up. This is a guy you franchise this year. You keep him, and you. this is your prove-it year. That's what you should do. Yeah, well, if they can't sign him under a normal contract, then I think that's what they'll have to do. So now we're moving on. A couple more things in the offense, and I, hey, we'll be done for the night. The tight end position... The Rams in the last couple of years went on and got Tyler Higby. He was supposed to be the next next thing. Then they went and got Joe Everett last year. He should flash this year. What now for tight ends? Sean McVay is known for his tight ends in his offense, and you just didn't really see that as much as you might have thought you would this year. I thought Tyler Higby might have one of those great years, and it certainly didn't happen. Gerald Everett showed that he's got a lot of potential. I honestly think you could line him up on the outside as a wide receiver, and he would play just as well as most wide receivers in the league. So I think he's got some potential, and I think he's got a bigger upside than Tyler Higbee. Then you've got uh, Tarek Hemingway, and like Vinny said, and, and like Coach McVay's been saying, they, they, have, they seem to have a high opinion of him, and that would be really great if, uh, if he could come out and, and really perform and be that guy. But I don't know. If you look at the free agency market right now for tight ends, if you're going to go with that direction, you've got Trey Burton from the Eagles. You've got Jimmy Graham, who's 31, who plays for the Seahawks, obviously. you got Safarian Jenkins for the Jets, Tyler Eifert for the Bengals, Antonio Gates is a 38-year-old free agent, and Ben Watson, who's a 37-year-old free agent. So 
unless you're going to take a chance, and I, and I hope they don't on a guy like Jimmy Graham because he's not worth the money, and I just don't think he's a great teammate from what I've heard. Uh, I think you have to answer it through the draft and the later rounds and hope you can pick up a you know a good tight end. But other than that, I think they're going to stick with what they have. I think that is exactly what you have to do. You don't, you, you can't spend the money. The money is already allocated. The money is already set aside. You're stuck. And the reason why you're stuck is, well, it's Aaron Donald swinging away from the offense and going back to defense. Now it, it always, right now, for this free agency year, this offseason comes down to Aaron Donald. The Rams have somewhere between 46. I've seen estimates of where it's going to land between 46 and 53 million dollars for a salary cap. Well, you know, Donald's going to get about 20 million of that. So. I mean, so you're you're stuck there. You have very little room to move. The the offense, I think, is settled, and I don't think there's anything you can really do with the tight ends at all at this point, except like you were saying, very late round, go for a dime in the rough. Jimmy Graham, not even a thought. And I still believe Tyler Higby can be something, but at some point he needs to catch a football. He made a, several nice plays in the year, but he also had several drops that just drove me nuts. Catch the football, man. Come on. At some point, McVeigh's gonna get through these guys. But maybe it's with Hemingway instead. I think those three players can be what McVay wants if he's got the time to really coach him up. And I think he does now because he really knows what he has after being with them for a year. So I really don't I really don't see a lot happening. I don't see him going out and signing a big name. And I, I, I just don't think there's a need there. I think if they're going to do anything on the offensive side of the football, they've got to look at, you know, a future replacement for John Sullivan and uh, our big man out at left tackle. That's because they're, they're both getting up there in age. But other than that, our offense, I don't think they really need to do a heck of a lot with at all. They're, the biggest priority is signing Aaron Donald. Out of everybody, that's the biggest priority. And you can't, you can't let Aaron Donald go because if you do, uh, when you're trying to, to build a fan base in L.A. and you let Aaron Donald go, uh, I think you just kind of signed your own death warrant. So Aaron Donald's going to get signed. And as Vinny said, you know, spoiler alert, he's going to get paid. (laughs) I agree. I agree. They have to. I'm hoping that he will work with us and sure he, he deserves it though. I mean, that's the hard thing out of, out of all the players on our team that are negotiating contract, no one deserves it more than he does. So it's not even close. Yeah. So you got to pay him. You just have to. And at this point, you know, he's kind of got the ball in his court. So that's, gonna, that's a given. That's going to be done. How much money is going to be left over for us to sign other players is the question. And I'm hoping that Aaron Donald wants to win enough and sees the potential of this team that he's willing to work it out so that we can get everybody we need. And that, that, that's to be seen. And he wants to be that number one guy. And that was the big comment last year before – the season began when he's holding out, but he wants to be that big dog. He wants to have that, you know, a huge, be the number one paid defensive lineman in the league, et cetera, et cetera. There's no doubt in my mind he still wants that. But after tasting just a little bit of what it can be in L.A. with the Rams, I have to hope that he'll be more flexible because the light is at the end of the title now. They're not far. They're not far at all. Watching the games this weekend, especially this past weekend, it's clear the Rams aren't far. There's a lot of parity in the NFC. There's, there's a ton of parity in the NFC. They are not far away from being that Super Bowl contender and maybe, maybe even being Super Bowl champions. Well, what's more important to him, getting paid or winning? That's the ultimate question, though. All right. All right. So we've covered Donald. We've covered everybody we could think of right now. 
It's just now about closing things out. Here we go. Offseason, ready, set, begin. I'm looking forward to it. I'm curious to see what they're going to do. Okay. Well, we're in Orm Hightower. This is Derek C. Paul Mangiano Rams Talk here. We'll see you soon. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late. And that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part. Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry. And our KeepStock inventory management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/keepstock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.